that I'm not into the songs. I just can't, can't sing with it. Um, you know, there's very few benefits to having significant mouth surgery, right? There's, there's great pain involved. I was more tired than I thought, hardly able to speak, although that was probably a benefit for my family and for others. Um, eating soft foods for a while, seven pounds gone, but I think it's all coming back again pretty quick. But there were, there were a couple benefits to being kind of knocked down for a while. I was able to catch up on a lot of reading that I hadn't had time to do. Um, and also, I was able to sit quietly and listen to Tiger's games, right? We usually don't have time to do that. I don't have cable TV, so, so instead I, I, um, I listen to them on the radio, and then afterwards I hop onto the internet and I catch all the highlights of the games that go on, right? And the Tigers didn't treat me so well during surgery. They haven't been too hot, but they did treat me to one gem during my coverings. I was sitting down and I was listening to this, and I thought instead of playing it for you, I thought I'd show you this clip of the game that I enjoyed the most. Here's the 0-2. Fly ball in the air to left field. Hit pretty good. Rasp is going back. Track. Whoa! That's the ball game! A walk-off home run, James McCann! His second of the year, and let the celebration begin. All right, that did make me smile, which hurt quite a bit but was well worth it to watch that. That's, for those of you who aren't baseball fans, that's a walk-off home run, okay? A walk-off hit is any hit that's done in the ninth inning. So at the very end of the ninth inning, the home team scores a run, game over, right? Once that person crosses the plate, the game's over. You can just walk off with a victory. You get to walk off and go home again. For players, there's nothing more exciting. For fans like me, there's nothing more exciting. And they always mob the poor guy who gets the hit at home plate. And they're like a bunch of kids on the playground, and they're bouncing and jumping and and celebrating that walk-off victory. The whole game they've tried, and at the very end, boom, it's worth celebrating, right? Well, I was pretty excited to find out that as a baseball fan, that walk-offs are in the Bible, too. It just proves, again, that baseball is the best sport around, of course, right? But there, there, there's great victories there's at the very end, and boom, they celebrate and they go. In fact, this morning, we as Ivan Rest Church are going to have our own walk-off celebration here this morning, right? But first, let's look back at the biblical walk-off. Take your Bibles out, if you would. Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, Back in the Old Testament, page 406, 1 Chronicles 16, we get to see how King David handles a walk-off victory. Now, David's purpose here is not scoring runs in a baseball game. It's, it's something much more, much more important than that. David's goal and David's purpose has been to get the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, to the city of David now, to the place where it belongs. Let me give you this little bit of history before we read this, a little bit of setting here. Remember the Ark of the Covenant. It's the, it's the, the Ark, the box that God gave to the people of Israel that symbolized his presence. More than that, it was, it was his, his throne, right? The presence of God sat enthroned between the angels on the lid of, of this Ark. And if you remember the history of this Ark, it was always a treasure for the nation. And back in the days when Eli was, was priest, 
and his sons Hophni and Phinehas helped him and weren't such good folk, the Israelites were doing battle against the Philistines. And they were going into war against the Philistines and, and it was going to be a tough battle. And so Hophni and Phinehas had this grand idea of taking the ark with them into battle. That's kind of a good luck charm. It's kind of a magic token that will guarantee them victory. And so they haul the ark into battle, certain that that means they're going to win, but God doesn't like to be used as a good luck charm. And the battle was lost, and the ark was captured. So the Philistines have now the ark of the covenant, the presence of the Israelite God, right? And so they take it and they, and, and they put it in their own temple in front of their god, Dagon. So, so the ark of God is, is sitting at the feet of, of their statue god, Dagon. And they come in the next morning, and there's Dagon laying on the ground, bowing before, before God. He fell down. They stick him back up again. The next morning they come, there's Dagon laying on the ground before the ark. They put him back, and it keeps happening until finally one time they come in, and there's Dagon laying on the ground with his head broken off and his hands broken off. And ever since this ark came to the, to the country of, of the Philistines, all of a sudden they've been, they've been hit with rats running through their cities, with tumors and sores and disease. Finally they say, enough. And so they, they put the ark on a cart and they send it back to the Israelites. Okay, and so people in this little border town see this, this cart coming. Here's the ark of the covenant of God coming back. They, they're curious so they check it out, they open the lid and 70 of them are killed. Because this is not a toy to be trifled with. And so they take this ark and they, and they hide it in somebody's garage and say, you take care of it. So for years, this ark has been in this little town, protected by this man who's keeping it safe. Well now fast forward many years and two kings later, and now Israel is in a vastly different situation, right? David is king now, and he's a successful one at that. And he's defeated this neighbor, the neighboring powerhouse of the Philistines and, and anyone else who stands in the way. And Jerusalem is now becoming this grand capital city, the, the, the capital of a growing Israelite empire. And David realizes he needs to bring God's presence back to, to this capital city. He needs to bring the ark back to the city of David. God needs to be at the center of this nation. And the task isn't as simple as we might assume. You know, just go down and pick it up and, and carry it on over. Right? They try that once. Remember the story of, of Uzzah? They load the ark onto, onto a cart, and the cart's riding through town, and they're all happy, and it starts to slide out the cart. Uzzah reaches back to grab a hold of it, and he's struck dead for touching the ark. So at that moment, they, they pull over to the next little town and put it in somebody else's house for Uzzah. You take care of it. So David needs to get this right. And finally, in 1 Chronicles 15, he does get it right. They go back and they, and they read God's instructions of how they are to properly carry the ark and how they're to, to correctly move it. And, and with great pomp and circumstance now, the ark makes its way to Jerusalem. And you need to imagine the biggest parade that you have ever seen in your life. And this is bigger than that. Right? Sacrifices are offered all along the way. Instruments are playing. Singers are singing. There's dancing in the streets. 
There's free food for everyone. This is, this is a, a whole nation celebrating as the ark makes its way to Jerusalem and, and it finds its way to the city of David and it takes its place at the center of the nation once again. The task after all these years is finally complete. There's success there's victory, and now comes an even greater celebration, right? Really, a walk-off celebration. The job's done. Yay, now we celebrate. And that's what you hear in First Chronicles 16. David is celebrating God's walk-off, God's victory celebration. The task is complete, and he recognizes that at this moment, this is something great. This is something to be celebrated. This is a grand ending to a spectacular event. And so with the crowd gathered around this tent that holds the ark, really, you can imagine with the crowd gathered at home plate, Right, with the guy who just hit the home run coming into home. With the crowd gathered around the ark, the choir sings, the people shout, and this is the song that they sing. Listen to just the start of it. First Chronicles 16, 8 through 13, we'll read. It says, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, and make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of, ja- of, o descendants of Israel, his servant. O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. And those six verses, those are David's invitation to the people of Israel to join in the walk-off celebration. I mean, look, look, at, look at what's given here, that invitation, those six verses, because it's not only an invitation from David to the nation of Israel, but it's an invitation to you and to me as well. You see, we need to be sure that we are celebrating the good things that God accomplishes, his walk-off victories in our lives and in our community as well. And so within the the context of this awesome celebration, this long-awaited victory, this great success, David invites us to do five things, right? Verse 8, he says, come and give thanks to the Lord. Okay, let's recognize right up front who gets the credit here. It's God who deserves the thanksgiving. He's not saying, look at the good thing I've done. I've got the ark back to Jerusalem. Yay, David. No, he's saying, look to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord because it's he who deserves our gratitude because he has done great things. David recognizes that he can do nothing without God's power, nothing without God's strength. Give thanks to God. He's the one who deserves the gratitude. Secondly, verse 9, sing to him. Sing. See, it's God who not only deserves our gratitude, but it's God who deserves our praise. And praise is a pretty precious gift. Sing to him. Think about that for a moment. Who do you sing to? I know some of you are saying, I'm not going to sing to anyone. Right? You just don't sing to anyone. It's a pretty tender and vulnerable thing to sing to somebody. Some of you only sing in the shower. You sing to yourself and that's it. And maybe that's a good thing, right? But maybe, 
Maybe at home with your friends, you you sing goofy songs when the radio's on. Maybe if you're really, really tenderhearted, there's one person in your life that you'll sing to. And David's saying, look, if you're going to be tender and vulnerable, if anybody deserves your praise, sing to God. Open your heart, open your life in that way to God, for he has done great things. Give thanks to him. Sing to him because God deserves it. Verse 10, he says, glory in his holy name. We don't use glory as a verb very often. What does it mean to glory in somebody? It means to rejoice proudly. Rejoice proudly in God. Right? There's a holy pride that David says that, that we as God's people can bask in. There's a holy pride in what God has done. And sometimes we get to be part of what God has done. We, we get to boast in the Lord for what he has done. When God accomplishes something great, boast. Have great pride, glory in his name. Verse 11. Look to the Lord in his strength. In case we're tempted to boast in ourselves, David encourages us to keep your eyes focused on him. Look to the Lord. He's the one you're boasting in because the temptation will come. When God does good things through us, when God works through you, the temptation is going to always be, look at me. Look at me. Didn't I do a good job? Aren't I valuable? Aren't I good? Don't I deserve praise? Satan's always going to put that temptation there, whether it's a public thing or even in your own mind to say, look at me. And David says, no, look to the Lord. Look to the Lord and his strength. When God accomplishes something great, keep your eyes focused on him. And finally, verse 12, the last invitation. The invitation is to remember the wonders of that God has done. Remember our God who has a long, long history of walk-off victories like this. Right, what God sets out to do, he does again and again and again. Our God gives us reason to celebrate. Right, we celebrate his goodness. We celebrate his grace. We celebrate his power, his love, his faithfulness, his salvation gift through Jesus Christ, his son, his forgiveness that changes our lives forever, his, his mercy that welcomes us. When God accomplishes something great, remember how deserving our God is of this great victory celebration. Okay, the rest of the song. I'm going to let you read the rest of the song on your own. Maybe for devotions today. Read the rest of that psalm that David writes there. Because the rest of it goes on to help the people of Israel at that time remember what God has done. It reminds them of all the great things that they are celebrating. So there's your lesson. Your lesson in celebrating what God has done. I think the rest of the morning, we're going to spend time doing that. We're going to put it into practice. See, this morning, we're going to remember and we're going to celebrate what God has done here at Ivanrest Church. Right, the end of May, the beginning of June, every year signals the end of the the church season. 
right? There's still opportunities all through the summer to grow. I hope you take advantage of those. There's still opportunities to serve and to learn all summer long. But, but many of our programs have wrapped up and they'll start again come September. So it's fitting, isn't it? Right here, right now, on this Sunday, at the end of something great, at the end of a time, a specific time where God did something that we celebrate, that we follow David's command and his invitation, and we celebrate God's walk-off victory at the end of this year. So we're going to do that. We're going to look back and remember. We're going to look to the Lord and his glory. We're going we're to have pride. We're going to feel pride in what God has done. We're going to sing to him. We're going to give thanks to him. We're going to hear stories of what God has done, of what he has accomplished here in and through Ivan Rest Church. And I'll tell you right up front that there's so many other stories that could be told. You're going to get just a small sampling this morning. And we're going to sing praise and give glory to God. What we're going to do this morning If you're a baseball fan, picture yourself gathered around home plate. And God's coming into home, finishing this project he's been working on all year in us. And we're going to celebrate his victory. As we do that, as we reflect on what God has done, I want you to be aware of two things before we do this. First, it may seem like we're celebrating people. right? We're celebrating people who have served. We're celebrating people who have volunteered. I want you to remember what David said. He said, look to the Lord. Look to the Lord and his strength. See God at work in these things. You see, God most often works through people who serve him. Okay? And so, yes, we celebrate people as the avenue to celebrate God. I was reminded of that just the other night during my evening devotions. I'm reading through a, a year with C.S. Lewis. And so I'm reading um, a lot of his, his best paragraphs, his best thoughts. And he wrote this. I'll just read you a short paragraph here. It says, you may say, I've never had the sense of being helped by an invisible Christ. But I often have been helped by other human beings. Well, Christ works in all sorts of ways. Not only through what we think is our religious life. He works through nature, he works through our bodies, he works through books, he works through experiences, but above all, C.S. Lewis writes, he works on us through each other. Men are carriers of Christ to other men, and usually it's those who know him that bring him to others. That's why the church, the whole body of Christians, Showing him to one another is so important. That's why we're so important together, because God's working through us. So if you find yourself celebrating those who have served this morning, maybe they touched your life in some special way, then yes. Yes, be grateful to them, celebrate them, thank them, but make sure you see through them, beyond them, and see God working through them and in them. And secondly, secondly, what, what we're going to celebrate this morning, what stories you're going to hear aren't all big, grand, amazing events. Some of them may even seem like routine things in church life. 
expected. And you wonder, what's the big deal of this? Is this really walk-off celebration worthy? And I undoubtedly answer that question with a yes. Yes, it is absolutely walk-off celebration worthy. Because sometimes, yes, God works through stunning, dramatic, unexpected, unexplainable ways. But more often, he works through the steady, faithful moving of the Holy Spirit who teaches us and grows us and leads us bit by bit, step by step, part by part. So this morning, we celebrate God working in big ways and in small ways. And all of them are walk-off worthy celebration. So I hope your heart is filled this morning with gratitude. I hope your heart is filled with praise for what he's done, which is so much grander than any hit in a baseball game, which deserves so much more enthusiasm than any sporting event that gets us to jump out of our seats and shout. This morning, I hope your heart soars as you gather on home plate. And you celebrate what God has done. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are eager to celebrate you. Your power, your goodness, your grace, all that you have done in our lives. And so I ask that as we hear the stories in just a few moments, that we would see you and we'd see your spirit well at work. And maybe we'd feel an invitation to connect closer to you and to grow closer to you and to let your spirit move in our hearts and our lives to serve each other and to be served by each other. So, Father, with hearts filled with gratitude and praise, we come to honor you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up if you would. Here's how the rest of the morning is going to go.